Hey everybody, Coach here. How you doing? Man, what a fantastic weather time it is right now in many parts of this country. Maestro and I have traveled all over and we are in the very uber expensive state, our former home state of California. Oh God. It's like that state just reaches into your back pocket and pulls out whatever you have and says, here, this is what you need to survive on. Hey, uh, this week's topic is uh, a sensitive one, which I'll explain. But we're talking about pets, pets and the landscape. I am glad you're here. I read a little ditty on Reddit today. It was kind of funny. It really caught my eye and it spawned this week's topic. You know, the person that was posting, there was actually more than one. The persons that were posting stated they had someone moving into their house was one of them. The house already, according to the poster, had two dogs, medium sized dogs, and the new person that was moving in was going to add three more doggos. Now, in my old landscaper brain, that tells me we got five doggos of various sizes. This one particular question kind of surrounded how to cordon off part of the yard to restrict the area where the dogs will be allowed to play, roam, and of course, poop. The photo was inconsequential, but the yard looked kind of beat up. There were two more similar posts asking, help, what can I do about this? And one of them was about uh, fence line racetracks and what the dog had been doing to the yard. So this week we focus on you pet lovers out there and the struggles some of you have with balancing pets, in this case, doggos, balancing doggos exuberance and energy, and sometimes the havoc they can wreak on a landscape compared to how many want the landscape that you think it should be, you know, lawn, trees, and shrubs, and flowers, and that kind of stuff. So, bam, son, I'm glad you're here. Let's throw this episode to the dogs <laughs> and some other critters I'm gonna mention. Glad you're here. Let's launch. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, oftentimes the photos I see online are absolutely amazing. It's uh, these really doured, mangled, <laughs> muddy, crap-strewn landscapes with heavily worn trails along the fence lines and and often the turf area, often the turf area that has basically just flipped the owner off and said, I'm done, I give up. Shrubs that are chewed to bits, muddy covered patios from paws, and in some of the photos, I can't believe they won't even clean up their yards before they take a picture, but uh, you know, with copious amounts of dog poop everywhere. It can be a problem. But you know something? It can be mitigated or eliminated with a little advanced planning. Inject 
pet training and human training and a little creativity. Now, before we go any further, I have been a dog owner and I have suffered the wrath of Puppyville and Grown Up Dogville and the like. I am certainly not immune, that's for sure. In my case, training started with the humans first, then doggo. In my case, sadly, in my case, it was determined because the business I was in, that doggo was just not gonna work. And he was, shall I say, adopted by a more loving family and it worked out well. Maybe that sounds cruel. Maybe it sounds like I gave up and maybe in some cases I kind of did, but uh, obedience training did not work, etc. I love those beagles out there, but man, this one was, this one was quite a handful. Cruel? No. But when you have to use your home as a landscape showroom for ideas and examples, and you need to bring clients in, need I say more? You know, sometimes, sometimes you have to make a, a very hard decision, and that was certainly one of my lifetime. I am also not picking on dogs. It is obvious that they are the number one pet globally, followed by cats and fish and so on down the line. But you know something? I do speak from professional experience here as well. I have dealt with these issues as a designer and as a landscape contractor. It's a very sensitive subject to broach with potential clients and get those clients or homeowners to be congruent with landscape ideas that will live through Doggo and all that he or she can bring to a yard. So some of the solutions I have offered are these. Some folks liked them, but some did not and wanted their baby to be included in the yard and not excluded, despite the lack of training and the lack of manners that the dog or dogs possessed. First of all, when I used to visit with these folks, the owners had to come to some form of congruency as to how they will deal with the issue. You know, many times I had one of my clients on board and knew exactly what needed to be done. And yet the other one, the, shall we say, paw holding pet enabler, they were just asking for trouble. And while those who are willing to train, segregate, and control, those are the folks that will oftentimes preserve the human part of the landscape and allow Doggo his or her own space, her own space. Then as the animal matures and you haven't called in the dog whisperer just yet, train the animal and allow them into the yard when you are there and teach and train manners to protect that huge landscape investment. Now I know there's some of you out there that, you know, maybe you're on big rural property and it's not nearly as important as it is for those of you who are in smaller suburb yards and maybe you have a large breed and maybe you have a young large breed animal or a very high energy bounce off the freaking walls breed. It can, you rural people, hey, lucky you. Maybe you don't even have a fence on your property. And that can also pose a problem, especially if they see a rabbit or a deer. They can run for a long time. Used to have a, used to have a dog when I was a kid, my next door neighbor's dog. <laughs> Named him Snoopy. Not because he was a beagle, but because of his coloring. 
that dog would set off on a deer and that dog would not stop. And that dog would just go. And I can remember seeing that dog chase the same damn deer on another ridge line from where I was. I mean, two, three miles worth of chasing the deer. Unbelievable. But when you're landscaping around, you know, your standard suburban residential yard, a pet area, one that can be dedicated to the pet. The pet area can be sparsely landscaped with things such as nicely done shade structures like shade sails or something other than just a blue Home Depot tarp. And then maybe nice shelters, nice doghouse, maybe an automatic waterer of some kind and enough space for the dog to exercise or dogs to exercise. If this space exists, then when you are home, when you get home and they get all excited about mom's home, dad's home, you know, then you can go on brisk romps, maybe to the dog park or other exercise for your guys' bonding and the animal health. And then you have a chance to, to clean up their space. You know, doing something like this, gone will be the days of your whole yard being destroyed from a neurotic, nervous animal running fence lines and stuff, barking constantly, and lawns and plant material destroyed, including and up to irrigation systems, which I have seen, which I will tell you about. And it becomes kind of a vicious cycle. You know, you try to, you try to train the animal and replace the plants and things go wrong and it turns out that a lot of people end up throwing a lot of money away without a real true solution in mind. Large animals, whether doggos or some other type of animal, can be really hard, really hard on lawns and turf areas, you know, with urine and feces. Not to mention the smells after a while if it is not maintained regularly. I can remember designing dog runs as part of a solution. They were part gravel, part cement, and were easily washable into pit drains that I designed and built. They were filled with gravel. They were like five to six feet deep. You'd wash off the concrete or wash down the gravel area into these pit drains and no smells, no fuss, no muss, no pissed off neighbors as they were walking along their fence line and smelling everything that can be smelled. Now I know one thing, I know that I'm not a dog trainer and I am sure there are thousands of folks out there on the interwebs that can address animal manners as it applies to the yards and landscape. You know, once you train yourself and then train your animal, I think you start to have kind of a win-win situation and then use some creativity to give the animal the space they need without giving them the whole thing and having a result that is negative. Now let's talk about the, the fence line racetrack questions that I constantly see come up on Reddit and other places. My whole approach to that, if you can't train that out of the animal, which in some cases you cannot, sometimes they use the racetrack because there's a dog on the other side of the fence and all they're gonna do is run that racetrack and rah, 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 rah. You know, that's just what they're going to do, I guess. But one answer that I have is give it to them. Give them the fence line. Seriously, if the space allows, give them a dedicated, cordoned off racetrack connected to their pet space area on the side of the home or wherever. You can mulch the area with things that are easy on the paws like rubber mulch or natural mulch. I don't know about gravels because gravel tends to get flung. And then have a rather tall border and small fence that 
borders their racetrack versus your landscape. And that border would also prevent the splash factor of the mulch or you know, gravel or whatever you use. Inside of that raceway area on your side of the yard, the house side of the yard, the human side of the yard is your landscape. The landscape that resides with all of you guys and its loveliness and healthiness and flowers and trees and everything and none of the hair pulling issues you hear about. The racetrack can be connected to the dedicated pet area and not to the main landscape, which is gonna prevent a lot of the digging, the peeing, the chewing, and the pooping problems that come to bear on landscape sometimes. And it's a kind of a win-win, and it's certainly a compromise when it comes to having a dog that is highly energetic. How about some other pets? Let's talk about <laughs> no pun intended. Let's talk about old number two. Number two in the feline family, those lovable kitty cats. Those little kitty cats that go outside through their little kitty cat doors and they go out and use your mulch and other things for their little uh, buried landmines that they love to leave you and you find out the hard way sometimes. Or the claw scratching, claw sharpening things that I've seen on young trees where they've used the young trees as their scratching post and have done quite a bit of damage to cambium layers of brand new trees and the old small brand new plants to get the old tomcat spray. Now, the old adage that you live with cats and they don't live with you certainly comes to mind, but I think the whole thing is still up for debate. What do you guys think? My experience is that cats generally oftentimes go do their business in other yards and so you're getting your neighbor's cat crap in your yard and your cat's jumping the fence and going over and doing other things. Running the fence slide at night and being a cat. Other animals? Let's talk about free roaming. Now, many decades ago when I was a kid, I mean, I grew up in a very rural area in the Bay Area of California. And it was very, very common to hear roosters crowing and cows mooing. And even down the street, we had... We had a family called the Jaffies, and they, their, their house alarm was a set of peacocks that they had. Loudest damn birds I've ever heard. But chickens? Chickens can sometimes be a landscape's best friend. And in this day and age with, shall I say, more diverse cultures, there's a lot of free-roaming farm-type animals in rural residential settings now. But those chickens, which are used quite often, man, they can... They can clean a landscape of all pests like aphids and earwigs, slugs and snails. Oh my God, they, they'll just do a blitzkrieg through any sort of landscape that has that kind of problem. But on the downside, they do like to scratch up places, especially a mulched bed. Man, six chickens will go through a mulched bed and you'll have mulch everywhere. So there's a downside to it too. You know, if you have the little... Uh, the baby potbelly pigs, they love to dig and, and root and as they kind of forage. That is if they are free roaming. And they can often cause, you know, planting bed damage and lawn damage. I think exclusion, you know, or segregation is kind of the best thing. If they're your loved ones, give them their own space, just like Doggo. Another popular pet that's gaining traction is the, the pygmy goats. And those dang things, those, those are fantastic when it comes to weed control, wild shrubbery control, that kind of stuff. But they don't know the difference between what 
you want to control versus what you've planted. And they'll go blasting through a $125 ornamental prize whatever plant just as fast as they'll go through a bunch of weeds on the perimeter of your yard. And I know you can stake them down and do all that kind of stuff and you can strike a balance. And that kind of sums up this whole thing is I think it comes down to striking a balance for you and your pet's needs, whatever pet it is. Determine your tolerances and fit your tolerance to your pet's needs to the type and breed of animal that you're choosing to live with. And then you just have to live with the consequences. With a little creativity, some training on your part, and some training on the animal's part, I think things can work out. Just don't go stark raven nuts when your yard, left uncontrolled and unhindered from the pet, cannot keep up with the animal's manners. They are just being them. They're just being the animal that they are. You are the higher life form, so the experts tell us. So, train, praise, and discipline, and strike that balance if it is possible. But back to the original story as I leave you, five large dogs in now a somewhat smaller area of this person's yard where two dogs had already destroyed the whole yard, I'm not sure segregation is going to be the answer. It sounds like it might be a recipe for further frustrations. I don't know. I could not do that to my landscape. Just too much hard work, too much love. And maybe this old codger just likes plants more than he likes pets. That's my personal choice. But maybe these people that are lovely pet owners, they adapt better than this old codger talking to you now. So what's the whole takeaway from this, coach? Well, choose the pet wisely. Make sure you know what you can tolerate. Choose a landscape that maybe is a little more pet friendly in your creativity and designing phase or allocate part of the yard to them at least on a temporary basis. And then you can finish it off later. Hey, that's what I have for you this week. The one thing I don't wanna hear about is the animals being punished or abused as a result of them just being animals. You know, you guys are responsible for your home. So make sure that they are, they are taking care of both the landscape and the pet and may both survive and thrive correctly. Hey, I will catch up with you guys next week. As always, to your landscape success, don't forget to check out my website if you don't mind. Show some love with the ebook. If you have some friends or maybe family members that are first time homeowners and they don't know a rake from a shovel and can really use a lot of help, hey, a great housewarming gift is everybody pitch in and try Homescape 1.0. I think you'll be very impressed with the amount of knowledge you'll take away from that. There's always the 15-step giveaway. I will catch up with you guys next week, as always, every Friday. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.